screen. Yeldon, 30, 25. Make 20, a man miss. Right. He's going to go. He's yes. Utah shovel pass in the middle, picked up by Darius, Marcel Darius, Darius to the 15, he spins to the 5, touchdown! Must win to make the NCAA tournament, Sexton, got it, he got it, he got it! Here's Tua, stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown! Touchdown, Alabama, Devontae Smith! Touchdown, Alabama! I'd like for the people to remember me as being a, a winner, because I ain't never been nothing but a winner. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Crimson Crackers podcast. Um, this week has been – we've been waiting on this week for like an entire – basically a year ever since we played A&M. And uh, it's really let down in expectations. Thanks, Jimbo. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Had to lose to Mississippi State. Yeah, we were looking at uh ticket prices only like what three months ago, and they were shit. I mean, seven hundred dollars a pop out of like, and that's just like sitting by the concession stands. But now yeah. you look at them, and they're about five dollars <laughs> for Skybox. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know. But yeah, it's been a while since we uh made an episode, so because of that, we're going to give give y'all a five hour description of every. Every game since then. <laughs> Starting out with UL Monroe. <laughs> Just kidding. But, uh, yeah, it's been a fun couple weeks. So I'm glad we were able to play teams like UL Monroe uh, and and uh, FCS schools like Vanderbilt. So yeah. I enjoyed it, uh, and especially last week going up to Fayetteville. We both saw that game as a, as a huge trap game, and um, we showed a lot of different characteristics from the team that, we haven't seen from the from the past couple of games, you know, running the ball with, uh, you know, new offensive line and everything, and that that was a tough atmosphere to play in. But I was impressed by you know how we handled it. Yeah, I mean, you look back to the Vanderbilt game, like you saw Jacory Brooks like have a you know a standout game, and then you go to the the uh, Arkansas game, and he's nowhere to be found. It's it's good to see you know other guys somewhat stepping up like uh, Isaiah Bond and Kobe Prentice. Yeah, and JoJo Earl's coming back off an injury, but uh, I'm glad we have depth and I'm glad they're playing good. Um, you see these young guys, they're, they're making – they're leaving their, their foot, you know, on the, on the outcome of games, especially from the receiving core. But we still wish that we found those – we have those four, you know, three or four guys where we know who's going to get the ball and – and it helps build a playbook and chemistry with the quarterback, which that's a big issue right now uh, with Bryce. He had that AC sprain, I think, um, which A.J. McCarron, he said he predicted that, which he hasn't been right about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> he said that Brian Harson was already fired, and that was like, what, two weeks ago? <laughs> yeah. And he's still on the sideline somehow. But uh, that whole that whole situation there down there is a shit fire. But uh, – yeah, I feel good. I mean, I know Bryce is out, but, uh, you know, if we start looking at positions, at quarterback, um, I'm glad Milrow got a couple snaps in, especially since Bryce probably won't be able to play this week. And A&M has a good defense. Uh, but I saw a lot of good things out of Milrow. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I was just – when I saw him in the pocket and he was getting pressured, I was, like, begging him to run because, you know, I've stayed for the, you know, the blowouts uh, – this season and when he runs he runs fast and it's it's I swear it's like he's like the fastest guy on the field and every time he does run it's almost nearly a touchdown um but that run on third and 15 was just like such such a you know I I don't even know what what you'd really call it it was just like a wow moment it was just insane really it saved us because I mean that was a five point I mean, that was a five-point game, and we were about to punt the ball. I mean, we couldn't even get a snap off on a punt, so you, there's no telling what would happen there. Uh, yeah. But with Jalen, he has that – he doesn't jog. If he's going somewhere, he's running. Yeah. Uh, like Forrest Gump or, or Michael Vick. Uh, that's the first <laughs> That's the first time those two guys have ever been in the same sentence. But, um, yeah, he – not just because he's black, but he, he does look like a running back, and I wish he would he – would, 
he would build himself up to look like a quarterback. Um, it would help his confidence and everything. But yeah, I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna have to run the ball with Jalen Milrow, uh, I'm okay with that because we saw we saw some explosive plays off of read options and of course that long run on third and fifteen. But I mean, with Bryce, of course, we're losing a, an, an element that that has got us to to this point and um, helped us get to where we were last year. Because uh, because whenever our offense and whenever Bill O'Brien um, doesn't know what he's doing, which is most of the time, uh, Bryce is there to save the day. And I don't know if Jalen Murrow can do that yet. Yeah, I mean, you go on, you know, we're losing an element. I think I think that that passing element is there. It's mm-hmm. just I don't think Bill O'Brien has confidence in him to, uh, you know, call plays that, you know, you would probably call with, you know, Bryce, in which that makes sense, but. You also you have to build confidence in J- Jalen in throwing the ball. So I mean, the plays we saw last Saturday it was, you know, pretty simple. But at the same time, I mean, he could probably do you know a simple you know quick slant route or anything like that. You know, those simple stuff because you know Bill like likes to run these ridiculous thirty yard out routes and or like you know pretty uh, you know have a I would say. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, you know, they're they're high high uh, high risk yeah. routes. Yeah, uh, I can already tell when Jalen steps on the field, and if he does uh, for A and M or however long Bryce is out, there's going to be comparisons to the Jalen Hurts offense of 2016. But I don't think I don't think the offense with Jalen Milrow is going to be the same because there's a different type of speed with with Milrow from Hurts. Hertz, Hertz was like, how do I explain this? He's like an eighteen wheeler. Yeah, he, it takes him a while to get accelerating, but when he's there, he he's pretty good. But Jalen Murrow, he's like that. Uh, but um, with Milrow, of course, I mean, as you said, it's it's important to understand what passes he can make and and uh to make sure to hold on the ball, hold on to the ball on offense because uh. I think our running game is going to be important if we want to establish dominance against A&M or possibly against Tennessee, which that's that's a scary situation. The thing about um, going into Knoxville without Bryce, but, uh, I mean, Saturday is going to be a big stage for Milrow if he's the guy. and um, But, of course, he, he plays for Alabama, so I think he's going to – I think he's going to be a – I think an outcome is going to come of that because we've seen quarterbacks who weren't that talented play at Alabama and – and they look like superstars. So yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, and say something went bad with Milro, if Ty Simpson had to come in, I think it honestly, I think it'd be even more conservative with Ty Simpson because a guy that young and I mean, honestly, okay, he's he played high school football in in Tennessee, and and at Westview Charter, or something in Martin, Tennessee. It was it's small school. Nothing against Ty Simpson. I think he has all the talent in the world to be a SEC quarterback, but uh, you don't see freshmen going out there and, and pulling off Joe Burrow type reads and and uh, and passes. So uh, I think until Bryce is back, it's going to be pretty conservative. Yeah. <laughs> Unless Bill just doesn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, and just wants to run the ball every play. Screen passes to to eight different receivers. Hey, yeah, like that's that's the one thing I I saw the the frequency of screen pass plays drops significantly. I don't know if that's just like he, he's afraid that you know Jalen will overthrow the receivers or whatnot, but like we we definitely played a lot better because there was not a you know insane amount of screen pass plays. Um you know, because they don't do anything. Yeah. You have two receivers on one side, and you got one. You got one receiver that's going to block, and he's got to take on like three DBs. Like that's that's not going to work. Yeah, and in my opinion, if I ran an offense, which I would probably be a better offensive coordinator than Bill O'Brien, uh, I would use my offensive lineman for screens. You know, down the middle, or I mean, you have HB slip screens and uh. In Madden, which I sound like a, a football noob right now, but <laughs> like just, <laughs> just talking about video game stuff. But I mean, using I think using tight ends and and 
offensive linemen on screens is a lot more uh, profitable than using um, a, a five a five eleven receiver from from Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of receivers, um, I, again, I was impressed with with how we played as a group. But again, there's not a centralized understanding of what we are and how good we are um, at this point in the season. Yeah, we're pretty inconsistent. You know, one week it's one guy, and the next week it's another guy. It's, you know, pretty – you know, we thought Jermaine Burton was going to be, like, the guy, but he's, um, he's you know, up and down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, I mean, it's um, – who knows? Yeah, well, people were high on Jermaine Burton in the transfer portal. The, the guy I was most high on was Tyler Harrell, and he's just getting back on the practice field. So I don't, I don't know what impact he can make because JoJo Earl has already come out there and and shown himself as a speedster. And Kobe Prentice, I mean, he's he's basically he was our deep shot guy for a while. Um, and then you have Isaiah Bond, which is like pretty much another speedster. So our, yeah, like I really don't, I really don't see Tyler Harrell you know, being able to see the field because, you know, we don't like putting out many receivers. When we put out – when we put out three receivers, we're going to put out three receivers the rest of the game. Yeah, that's, that's how, how we've that's been. That's how it always has been. And and by the third quarter, you see different guys because we're up we're up 38 points. But now it's just – it's weird seeing Trayshawn Holden have a game then Ja'Cory Brooks has a game. And, um, hell, I wouldn't be surprised if Isaiah Bond becomes the number one receiver for some reason. And then – yeah, pops off. It, it's weird, and um, I think that's, I think a lot has to do with that is Bill O'Brien. It's just, I think our offense is just fit to where we're not trying to get the ball to certain players. We're just trying to get guys to run. Like we're just trying to get guys who are tired, guys who are tired come out, and guys who are fresh come in, and they just run the same concepts. Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, that's that's just not how you run off. There's no, re- there's no purpose of running like a play action deep pass to Amari Cooper. Or, you know, those long – you remember those, like, I don't know, little wheel routes to, like, Michael Williams back then and using O.J. Howard and stuff. It's like those plays were intended to get the ball to that guy. It wasn't intended to get it to the to the route or the tight end. Does that make any sense? Yeah, because now we're just, we're just running the same plays with yeah. different bodies different and guys. we're not attacking – we're not attacking, you know, certain matchups. I mean, imagine being Bryce Young and one drive you have three receipt you have you have Jermaine Burton, Holden, and Prentice, and then very next drive you have Jojo Earl, Jacory Brooks, and Tyler Harrell. And yeah. they're running, running the same plays. It's like how are you supposed to understand stand understand the speed of each receiver? Yeah, because if you're throwing a deep ball, you have to know if, you know, do I need to, you know, lead this receiver a lot further because yeah. I know he's like get the ball because he's way faster than say a Treshawn Holden, mm-hmm. you know, which I'm not saying Bryce Young can't do that. It's just hell. I mean, I, I've never seen this problem in Alabama since Saban's been here and we've had yeah. receiving cores, but we've always had a, an understanding of who's the top four and we don't know yet, mm-hmm. um, which I guess it's a, that's a problem that only Alabama fans can understand. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you have, you have receivers, we don't really know yet, but with tight ends, it's starting to. We're starting to understand. That I guess Law Two is the guy. Uh, really, I haven't been impressed with him. He, you know, he had that injury um, early on in the season, and he, he seems pretty slow. But uh, yeah, we're not using our tight ends that much, though. So. Yeah, I really wish you know, we would see a lot more of uh, Amari uh, Knee Black more. Me too. He, uh, he, we could definitely use him in, like you said, like uh, like a tight end screen or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Because I could, I could already tell he could be really effective because he's very athletic and he's probably a heap uh, faster than uh, Latu. Yeah, uh, remember when we had Jaleel? He, we used him at pretty a good amount in the in the running game and and the passing game. So, uh, yeah, we have. I feel like we have good blocking tight ends. I mean, Robbie Ouse comes in and he he was kind of the fullback last year when we needed him there, and uh, he's playing tight end and Miles Kitzelman in the the transfer, he uh he gets in there, he gets in there too. But really, Amari Nyblack's the only tight end in that in that room where I see him as an explosive. See him having having an explosive impact. Like if you compare 
if you compare our tight end room to Georgia's, theirs is built completely different. They block and they and they can be used in the in the passing game. So, uh, I'm not saying we have to be our tight ends have to be on Georgia's level. I just wish we had a. I just wish we had guys that could fit our our concept better. Yeah. Which I mean, hell, Latu was a tight was a linebacker when he came into Alabama, and now he's the starter. You tell me we can't mm-hmm. get a we can't get a, a a top ranked tight end. Yeah. Thanks. That that was a Rick Gilbert and Darnell Washington's fault. We were supposed to get one of them that year, but we didn't. And then last year we lost out on uh, what's his name from uh, who decided to go to Miami instead, where they don't even throw the ball to tight ends. Oh gosh. Shit. He's pretty big, 6'6". Six, six. I forgot his name. Jaquandius Marsonius. He was pretty he was like he was really skinny, but he was pretty tall. Yeah. Uh okay. But now he's at Miami and he's like number forty four. <laughs> if you okay, if if you're a tight end and you get and if you get if you're a tight end and you walk in, you get the number forty, you get a number from forty to forty nine. Just walk out. Yeah. I'd rather play at 50 or something. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be a tackling dummy. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess 47 and you're, you know, Michael Irving. <laughs> I'm 47. I'm not, I'm fast. I'm very fast. All right. Uh, okay, so one thing that really – well, I was excited to like I was excited to see our running back core uh this year and they they exceeded my expectations even though they were already high. Um Yeah. Yeah. I mean Yeah, I mean uh Gibbs had a really, really like amazing game. He finally had his breakout game against Arkansas. Uh pretty much, you know. All the other games, he's really been a receiving back. He hasn't. We haven't been able to get the the running game going. I'm pretty sure that probably has to do with, uh, you know, who we have in offensive line. But um, you know, it could also be the the play calling, you know, running out of gun instead of running, you know, running on inside instead of running to the outside of the tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think we're starting to get our running game going, and uh, Gibbs is getting going. And then also uh, Jace McClellan, who uh, who really, I mean, he's been like the, I would say the leading back, but he's not like actually the leading back. He's just been like the most productive uh, yeah. rusher. But um, Gibbs is coming along. Yeah, Jameer Gibbs is crazy. He, uh, he finds holes that a lot of people, that he finds holes that aren't even created yet. That makes any sense. Uh, those those two touchdown runs he had, he waited on uh, Seth McLaughlin to, you know, to push, you know, push outside, and then he he, he uh, came back in and he attacks the holes. He I think he attacks gaps faster than faster than maybe I mean hell Trent Richardson. I I don't think he does, but like there's not been a guy who who's been able to do that since Trent. Um, and Jameer Gibbs is, uh, he's that guy, but. Um, once, once Jameer gets to the second level, he's gone. I mean, he, what he ran 22.8 miles an hour, which is, was faster than any NFL player did last week, uh, which is nuts. Um, I can't believe he went to Georgia tech. He, he, he almost wasted his talent going to, going to Atlanta. Yeah. He chose Georgia tech over Alabama. Yeah. Like his top three was Georgia tech, uh, Alabama and like Clemson or something. It was a, it was a pretty good trade giving them Pierce Quick for Jameer Gibbs. I'll say that. <laughs> um, got that right. Yeah, but Jace, um, he's coming back from that injury and he looks the same. I knew he would. Uh, he kind of he he's more of a physical running back compared to Gibbs. He 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 doesn't cut he doesn't cut that well, but like he has long arms, stiff arms, great um great balance. But he's all around back, and I'm glad we have him in. Roy Dell. I mean, he he's probably the bruiser of the group, um, which it's really hard for him to find snaps when when you have those two guys in who fit the system better. But I mean, damn, Roy Rodell's Rodell's something. But uh, one guy that I I feel pretty bad for is Trey Trey Sanders. Oh yeah, you know, 
he was basically like the starter last year down the stretch. Yeah, because he had to be, and then he would uh honestly he would probably he would be a starter for for most SEC teams. And really, I hope he transfers out of from after this season, however many years of eligibility he has left, because he deserves playing time, and uh he just can't get it here. It happens all the time with running back uh in the running back room though. Yeah, you know, just injuries and. It's just you hate it for him, but now he's kind of pretty much buried uh, on the depth chart, which, you know, it's never never great to see, you know, some guy, a guy like him that's came back from all he's came back from to see, you know, you know, fourth string. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, who knows? He could, you know, knock on wood, I mean – the the same stuff happens this year. Yeah, like we we start to get hurt and then. <laughs> God, but it is. Wait, is that? Do I hear Scott Cochran? Yeah, <laughs> coming. Is he coming through the door. Who's the fifth string running back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Jamarian Miller. Uh, okay, yeah, him. yeah. He's good. Like, are we getting on? Are we getting on walk-ons at this point? <laughs> Jamari Miller's good too. Alabama has good running backs. Yeah. Uh okay. Uh well speaking of the running game, the offensive line I think has gotten a lot a lot better over the past couple of weeks. And I think it all starts at the change at center with putting Seth McLaughlin in instead of Darian Dalcourt. Uh he just pushes guys around and um I don't know. He he just seems more on pace with what's going on with offense. Yeah, I mean, you, you, last year I want to say he you know started the last three games. I want to say that, um, and he he really you know helped that offensive line, that struggling offensive line. He was really the centerpiece and kept it pretty much just together. And then you know Dalcourt came back from injury and started. Um, but yeah, Seth McLaughlin, I just see him being you know way better in the run game and probably just uh, overall at the center position. And uh, definitely you, you saw that um, against Arkansas within the run game because, I mean, Jameer had like 200 yards just based on running through gaps that Seth created. Yeah. Uh, when, we, when people talk about offensive line improvement, the center is never – it's not really discussed as much as, much as it should be. It's always about who's who's protecting the quarterback at tackle, at left tackle, right tackle, and you know who, who's protecting the blind side of the quarterback. But with the center, you know, it, it comes down to communications and and uh, you know holding down the middle for those for those run gaps. But and and Seth does a really good job at it. And um, I wasn't I, I wasn't really sure he would ever play at Alabama, but he came in and and uh, he left a mark, which. Every now and then we get those guys, those three or those two to three star guys who come in and and uh you know end up moving up and and play and end up playing for us. So uh yeah. I'm glad to see him out there. Nothing against Darian, but uh Seth is just better, I think. Um yeah. and another piece that I think's gotten better is JC Latham at right tackle. Uh early on he had a lot of penalties, false starts and stuff, but uh Physically, he can match up with, with any guy who opposes him, and um, we're starting to see that, I think. Yeah, definitely Latham. And then you have, you know, talking about the true freshman, Tyler Booker, at, I think right guard. Yeah, he's he actually, came in for Kendall, Kendall Randolph. Is that right? Yeah, Kendall Randolph. And he's been – he's kind of – I want to say he's pretty much – that he's made that his his place now, and he's really physical. He knows that – I mean, he's matching up with guys that are like, you know – five years older than him basically and yeah. you know this this is going to be a true test against A&M because I mean these guys are you know they'll they'll be on the same they'll be in the same age but uh talent level I mean that's to be seen I guess for Texas A&M because they're starting you know they're their entire D-line class they they bought last year yeah I think uh it's good to see Tyler Becker play play good but I, th- I just think Kendall Randolph needs like three more years of uh <laughs> three more years of experience and really to understand what Coach Saban wants out of him. 
you know what they say he's in like year seven i think yeah it takes four years you know what they say it takes four years to leave an impact on a program it takes nine years to (laughs) to be good (laughs) (laughs) he's Uh, been there since his brother was there yeah i think he's trying i think he's actually trying to like become more of a legacy than his brother i think that's his (laughs) motivation (laughs) like levi randolph was all he had for like three years and kendall randolph is just like he's just he's become like a burden for not a burden he's just it's like we get a five-star guard we get a we get a another five-star tackle out of img academy he's gonna be benched behind kendall randolph We'd love to move to tight end. Yeah. See, all right, here's the problem. So you you live in Pelham, okay? If I ever if some if somehow Kendall Randolph like listens to this and he sees me or, or knows who I am, that's a that's gonna be a problem for me. Because <laughs> I might just walk past him one day. This is nothing against Kendall Randolph, but like we know I think the other team knows when we're gonna run the ball because we put the Kendall Randolph in three hundred pound Number eighty-five in the game. You remember? You remember Brandon Green? Oh my god! That crap. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but we're they're gonna run to the right side because guess who's on the right side? Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. Yeah, offensive line looks good. Tyler Steen came in. It's getting better. The group's getting better. Uh, which I'm glad for Milrose's sake. A whole lot better than last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well. I guess we're, I guess we can flip sides of the ball now with defense. Um, defense is – I knew we were going to be very good on defense. I, I thought we were going to be, be – probably be the best defense in the country, and I think we're proving that, uh, you know, especially up front with our uh, front seven. Yeah, I mean, you got, you know, true freshman Jaheim Otis. Um, last game looked, you know, pretty, pretty phenomenal in the mm-hmm. run game. And then you even got to the quarterback um, – a few times, um, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. I mean, a, the dude that big and is a true freshman. It's just you go back to like Tyler Booker, like it's it's kind of insane, you know. And there was so much hype with Jaheim Otis in the preseason, but and that's real. That's really weird for an interior lineman because yeah. most of the time, guys like that, nose guards, D tackles, offensive guards, and centers they get scrounged up into these piles and it's hard to understand by film of how good they are. Jaheim Otis is out there just chasing down running backs and quarterbacks, getting through, getting through double teams. He, he physically built himself to, to make an impact for this line. And uh, like, Holy crap. I think he might've been the MVP of the defense. uh, If we're talking last week. Yeah. Um, and then the thing is, is we have depth at the interior as well. So guys like Byron Young and and Timothy Smith, it's important for them to get uh, Jamil Burrows. Is it yeah, Jamil? yeah, Jamil Burrows. Um, he's an underrated player there too. So, and um, of course, you know the edge. They're going to do their job with Will Anderson in Dallas and uh, Braswell. They they played really good. So, um, I think. I think we have the best defensive line and and pass rush maybe in in college football. Yeah, I'm hoping we can get Justin Boygby back. I don't know, you know, what the situation there is. He's, you know, there's a possibility he could be out for the season. Something mm-hmm. wrong with his neck. Yeah. So DJ Dale. Yeah, DJ Dale's been playing good too. But uh, yeah, Justin, we it'd be good to have him. You need as many bodies as you can, especially when you get into the. Uh, into the uh, stretch of games that we're about to get into, so mm-hmm. mighty the mighty Mississippi State Bulldogs, <laughs> yeah. the fighting Aggies. <laughs> can't handle you can't handle Mike Leach's running game. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and then if you look, you know the the, the second level of our defense at the linebackers. I, I've been very impressed, of course, with with Toto, and I, I knew he'd be. He'd be very instinctive and fast, like he always is. But I mean, Jalen Moody and Deontay Lawson have have stepped up to be the next guys. I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Moody, you know, you know, coming back out of the transfer portal, you know, he's played, you know, with his, you know, hair on fire. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as of late, I'm, you know, I don't know if it's just recency bias, uh, but for me, it's just, I saw Toa Toa just make that 15 yard penalty, and I was just like, Are you <laughs> that's stupid. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, that really, that kept them in the game. And I was, I mean, I was watching the Chiefs and Colts game, and Chris Jones did the same crap and cost us the game. I thought Henry Toto just did the same exact thing with, with that stupid penalty. Yeah. It was like third and 20, and we sacked him. And, and then, like, you know, like two, three seconds after the whistle, and he pushes this offensive lineman down in the back. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and we take him out for one play, and I'm like, take him out for the rest of the series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a problem, though. It's like we always talk about depth at defense, but hell, most of the time, if, if, if we lose our starter, at any position, it gets exposed for some reason. Yeah. No matter no matter how talented our depth is. Uh but yeah, it was it was weird to see Toto have a penalty like that, but um it's okay. He's a good player. I forgive him. <laughs> if he was Keith Holcomb, I'd tell him to to leave Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Even though he's the most Tuscaloosa person I've ever seen. Yeah. Nick Roll. <laughs> you remember when he almost you remember when Keith Holcomb almost cost us the Mississippi State game? I'm literally thinking about that game right before you said that. Oh. Yeah. Was it like back to back pass interference penalties? Yes, and he couldn't make a tackle to save his life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I think, what happened? I think after that like right after that season, he was like, Okay, I'm just gonna play baseball. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna move across the street from the athletic facility. Um, How did we get into that situation where he was like the starter? Then, well, Dylan Moses, I think Dylan Moses like had breast cancer three different times that season, and then uh, he really, he really screwed us a lot of years. He didn't screw us, but like every year, it was just like, all right, this is Dylan Moses' year. All right, he's down. Who are we gonna? Who's the backup? Yeah. Okay. Uh. All right. Um. Really, the one that the the part of the defense I guess ridiculed the most is, of course, the secondary. Um, I can't really ridicule the the secondary as much as I as I usually do. Yeah, I mean, um, we haven't we haven't really faced an offense that's very pass heavy. I'd say so. We haven't really seen that much from the sec. I mean, we have, but. It's not like to the level. It's like, oh, we have to worry. Like, you know, hope or hope that you know we don't get beat deep or anything. We haven't seen really that. I mean, yeah, we've seen Kool Aid in the Texas game where it was like <laughs> three pass interference uh, calls yeah. on him in a row. But um, yeah, I mean, I think they're both. You know, they're both. He's he's definitely came came a long way since that game. And then Terry and Arnold, he's uh, I see, he's. He's playing up to probably beyond his expectations for, you know, how a guy would be playing, you know, in his second year, well, first year playing. Um, but, um, yeah, definitely uh, Eli Ricks, you know, I guess not knowing the not knowing the uh, playbook is probably why he's not on the field. Yeah. Um, which is, a you know, that's disappointing. Because um, I could still – I could – Definitely see him playing in like a dime package or something like that, but you know he probably didn't have that much speed for dime. So, um, yeah, I mean, but overall, I think it's you know they don't really deserve that much ridicule. But uh, we, I mean, obviously, we haven't seen them, um, you know, go against anybody that's really um, going to test them. I, I would say. Yeah, I think the young cornerbacks are holding their own. Especially Kool Aid, I think, I think Kool Aid has played very good. Uh, not even accounting for how good of a returner he's been, but uh, also if you look at at our safety, at our safeties with Branch, uh, Helms, Battle, and Moore, those guys are are playing their asses off. Not only are they covering well, um, you know, on on passes, on you know zone zone packages and all that, but they're getting down to the line when they need to, and they make tackles. And they we haven't. We haven't seen guys like that since Minka, and uh, that's usually safeties who can come down and, and stop the run. That's usually a sign of, of of a good Alabama defense. 
Yeah, Hillens is playing so much better than they played last year. I mean, he has like three or four forced fumbles, I want to say. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what we do against teams like hell, Tennessee. Uh, I almost forgot we played this week. A&M, but they don't have a passing game. <laughs> Uh, Mississippi State, all they do is pass. Well, they the will. I bet you, yeah, they'll probably have 400 passing yards. <laughs> Go watch out, Max Johnson revenge game. Uh, they could put in their punter and they'll probably have 400 passing yards. Yeah. I don't know what's the obsession. It's like, why does every quarterback that AM has ever had has come from a different school? It just, they can't just hang on to a quarterback. Yeah. Or, or I'll, I'll say this: It's like every quarterback the AM has, they have a history that 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 quarterback already has history with Alabama, like Trevor Knight. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then you have guys who transfer out of there, like Kyler Murray and stuff, uh, and Zach Calzada. He, he'll be at Auburn. It's, it's weird. It's, I guess Not even you know, hadn't even touched the field at Auburn. Yeah, I guess just kept because Kevin Sumlin and Jimbo Fisher just can't control a a quarterback room. Um. But yeah, uh, it's gonna be. I guess it's gonna be a big showdown. Not really. It's it's really A and M's fault that this that this week is is a letdown. I guess. Um, yeah. With that idea of it being a letdown, kind of scares me. Yeah, I think this game is gonna be pretty weird. But um, you see all the media talking how it's gonna be. It's very similar to maybe the twenty fourteen game that was fifty nine to nothing, and really, I think that that's not even a accounting for the fact that Alabama's more talented than AM. I, I just think they're seeing it as like a revenge game for Nick Saban and Alabama. Um dude last year's game. But uh I think if Jalen Miller is playing, it's gonna be a pretty sloppy game from for both sides. It's gonna be a lot of running the ball, maybe some turnovers from from Max Johnson and A and M. Uh um of course we want to blow out. We want it to be passionate. We want to be we want it to be energetic, you know, on on a Saturday night, but it's just I, I don't really I don't really see it if if Max Johnson and, and Jalen Milrow are gonna be the quarterbacks. I would like to inform y'all that we recorded this before the Haynes King news. It is announced that he will be the starter against Alabama, but it does not matter who's playing quarterback for Texas AM because their quarterback room is complete ass. Yeah, I think it's probably gonna be like a fifty two twenty four game. Because AM AM's got a good defense. I know they gave up 42 to Mississippi State, but uh, if you look at the past couple games, if compared looking at offenses that run our type of style, like Miami, uh, even App State and all those teams, um, they gave them fits, especially up front. Um, I, I, I say we win the game like 34 to 13. I don't really see much out of this game when it comes to explosive plays and, and excitement. Yeah. I only say it's. I only say that it's going to be that high because I feel like, like the final five minutes, I feel like Nick Saban's going to be like, "Screw it, let's run it up." Maybe, yeah. I hope. I hope we run it up. Yeah. Because the fact that they, just the way that they won last year and, um, what they did off the field, um, criticizing my man's, and uh, the fact that they got that recruiting class the way that they the way that they did was was the problem but um they're just going to keep doing that and if they're going to keep paying Jimbo Fisher millions of dollars to be media to keep being mediocre then that's that's fine with me but uh they just have to understand that Alabama's gonna be pissed off um next week especially Will Anderson so that's really all that matters all right so um you're moving on to NFL stuff but staying in Alabama uh to uh Two went down last Thursday night, and that that shit was crazy. The fact that it like I've seen I've seen NFL player or quarterbacks get hit like that, but when he started moving his fingers, we had to skip a little bit of the audio because uh, Ryan's laptop started sounding like uh, two cats were were uh, raping each other. So sorry about that. Yeah, he he comes back out to play. His, he finished the game, and then it's literally like he's got three days three days off and then he, they play another game and they clear him and he hits his head again. And it's just like, I'm sure his, his head at this point is scrambled since he probably had like two concussions in literally a five day span. 
Yeah, uh, that Dr. Bennett Al Alamalu. Uh, Will Smith. Yeah, Bennett, Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, he said he said he should not play football ever again. I mean, I'm sure he's he's said that to every every player that's got a concussion. <laughs> Good, but I mean, like, it was, just... yeah. I I just my opinion on it is concussions are weird, and I think the NFL is making progress. I just think it comes down to every organization being capable of of making the right calls and being precautious. But if if a quarterback gets injured like that, especially a guy who you kind of depend on, um like Tua, uh, there can be fav there could be favoritism. What's the word? I mean, there could be outside reasoning to why he should stay in the game. Not because he's he's healthy enough, but just because he needs to be he needs to be out there for the team to succeed. Yeah, I mean I mean, I think anything where you just kind of collapse after a hit, um, blackout, it it should you should pretty much be, be like a two week minimum because I mean look at look at uh, Antonio Brown he's he's like he's insane like he's like a completely different person than after that um Vontae uh Vontae's perfect hit like he he's in Saudi Arabia with his dick out <laughs> man's got a hog he's got a hog he's got a hog <laughs> that man's got a hog. But yeah, poor woman. Uh yeah. She shouldn't have been in that situation, but uh Yeah, I feel like Antonio Brown, he he I feel like he's escaped jail like he's five invincible. times. He is invincible. Yeah, he just does whatever he wants. But uh Yeah. I guess if you get on the Madden cover you can you you have the right to do anything you want. Yeah, that guy, that guy had his had his dick out, okay, at a public pool in Saudi Arabia. He was on the cover. He was on the cover of a football game f five years ago. Yeah, look at him now. For three, three, seven, nineteen. Yeah, three. Nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, please, man. Yeah, he's one of the only guys where he can. He, he doesn't have to play single down in football. He'll be talked about. He, he could, He's going to do stuff every week for the rest of his life, and he's going to be at the top of the news. Yeah, I mean, just I guess you could. You, you, we could say like uh, your Instagram post from like 2017. You could just be a dumbass, and I mean, you'll make millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I posted a picture of bad bad baby on a uh, Doctor Phil. Like, why why go to college and everything if you could just be a dipshit in front of, of a camera and and be famous. Which, if I went to a pool uh, in Saudi Arabia and started doing that, they they would arrest me for just being, like, very pale and creepy. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think Tua is going to get better, and I think uh, the NFL just needs to needs to continue to follow along with these guys and their and their symptoms. But, uh, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not into legal situations with, uh, you know, with the NFL or, or, or health stuff. Um, but I, I hope he gets better just as an individual. Um, but yeah, moving away from that, we're going to go back to, uh, the college game and, and give you all some picks. What are some of your picks this week that you really like? Okay. So hopefully you can hear me. Yeah. you can. Um, Tennessee and LSU. I he's doing it again. No, you're good. You just, you look like you're, uh, you're trapped in a box and you're, <laughs> and you're given a message that you're, that you're kidnapped by the, by ISIS. Help them kidnapped <laughs> by the Somalians. Yeah. Um, Texas or uh, Tennessee versus uh LSU. Tennessee's traveling to LSU. Um, you know, Tennessee's only favored by three, but uh, I'm gonna give the edge to LSU. I think they'll win outright. Yeah. Um, and then my next one is TCU against Kansas. That's where game day is. Um, TCU's favored by six and a half. Uh, there's no way that TCU will uh, cover that and or win that. Um, it's gonna be a sold out crowd in Lawrence, Kansas, and uh, Kansas is probably gonna win by 10. So, there's my pick on that. Um, yeah, so I guess Quinn Ewers is not playing 
uh, thanks to the, the reporter on this podcast. Um, I do not believe that uh, if Quinn Ewers is not playing, that uh, Texas will win the game. I don't think Hudson Card is uh, is, uh, is that good, just the way they played against uh, Texas Tech. So um, if Quinn Ewers is not playing, then I'll, I will give it to uh, Oklahoma. And then my final one is um, UCLA and Utah, or Utah at UCLA. And Utah is favored by three and a half. I think that they will definitely cover that and they will win outright because UCLA has only like 2,000 fans that show up to their game, even though they are undefeated. So, uh, yeah, I'm going Utah. Oh, Chip Ke- you don't believe in Chip Kelly, do you? Um, uh, no. All right. Um, well, I got, I got three picks for y'all. Uh, the first one I'd, I don't really like this team, but um, I have Auburn covering 29 and a half against Georgia. Um, it's not that I think – I think Georgia's going to dominate this game. It's just when these two teams play, there's not really a lot of scoring. And usually the 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 winner of the game is around 27 to 30 points. And I think I, I think Georgia will probably win this game like 31 to 10 um, or 31 to 7 or something like that. I don't think they're going to cover I – think, I don't think they're going to beat Auburn by 30 is what I'm trying to say. Uh and that's really all it comes down to that. And then I have the uh, USC and Washington State over. Um, it's it's at 66 right now. Neither of those teams play any defense, and they have two of the most explosive offenses in college football. So I think both of those teams at least get to 40 points, and there's no telling where, where it goes from there. Um, and, number th- and number three, which is a very weird pick, but I have Vanderbilt and Ole Miss under uh, whatever point whatever point set it's at, it might be like 57 or something. But both of these teams play pretty scrappy defense, especially Ole Miss this year. Um, they don't give that many points. Um, and I think Vanderbilt's going to play the game where they're, they're going to have to run the ball and, and keep it out of Jackson Dart's hands. Um, but, again, I think Ole Miss wins it pretty convincingly. But I, I don't think there's going to be enough scoring to, uh, you know, to, to touch the over. So, those are my three picks. Yeah. Are you making a bet? Making that a parlay. Probably will make a parlay. I can't stand betting on singles. Cause usually if, if I bet any if I bet a bunch of singles, then usually all of them will go right. And then I just get mad that I that I didn't make a parlay and then and then next week I make a parlay and it doesn't it doesn't get hit. Yeah. Um okay, so um I hope those hope those picks help y'all this week. But uh, you know, we're gonna go back to the uh, original a traditional top five. Top five, top five, top five. All right, so as you uh, as you brought up, Kansas is 5-0. and oh. um, Shocker to the rest of the country. Right now, I think they have better odds than uh, Oklahoma to win the Big 12. But, um, again, they're, they're seen as a, a team that shocks some people. So, the uh, the top five we're going with this week is the, uh, the top five teams – the top five most surprising teams of the college football uh, playoff era. So what's your, what's your, uh, what's your number five? All right. So my number five is going to be actually from last year, uh, Baylor 2021 Baylor uh, 2022 or 2020. They went two and seven and followed it up last year with 11 and two record and made it to the, made it to the um, big 12 championship under uh, Dave Aranda, just a big turnaround. Um, and, yeah, I think that Baylor team was, you know, from 2-7 and seven to 11-2, and two, come on now. That yeah. deserves to be on the list. It deserves to be on the list if you play in the Big 12 and you play any defense. And they did. Yes. yes. They brought uh-huh. back – made they've made defense great again. <laughs> but what would that be? MD – MDGA. Yeah. Okay. Major. <laughs> Five. Uh, <laughs> I got uh I got twenty twenty one Cincinnati Bearcats. Now people knew that they were gonna be a good team and that they were gonna be maybe a playoff hunting team. Uh but the idea of, of a team from the American conference making the playoff uh surprised a lot of folks, especially me. Um when they beat Notre Dame, that really gave them the the reasoning to be in the playoff and 
and beating teams like Tulane and stuff on a consistent basis going going 13 and 0 uh was surprising and it's especially surprising for a program that small but they were really talented and and uh you know it was it was weird to see them in the playoff but they they definitely deserved it yeah i would have put uh cincinnati in there but i just do that their record the record that they played um if they didn't uh win all those games it would be like pretty much a, a letdown for you know cincinnati yeah um my number 4 it's going to be probably a little surprising but uh 2019 LSU just um 2017 and 20 2017 wow bad year for LSU I think they lost that was when they lost to Troy I believe and then 2018 they get Joe Burrow Joe Burrow and uh Joe Burrow they 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 don't do I think they won nine nine games ten games yeah they barely won ten games but it was like it did not look like a good 10 win team. It was like a really ugly 10 win team. And then they bounce, you know, come out of no, I mean, not really nowhere, but uh, they come back in 2019 and just like just shock the world with the greatest offense ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Okay. My number four is uh, 2021 Michigan Wolverines. They were probably the one of the worst COVID teams in the Big Ten, which, if, I mean, if you look at the team, they played, I don't know, maybe four or five games, but good grief, they were awful. And they brought up, they brought back most of the pieces from that team into the 2021 season, and they they made such a big deal about how there was only like a, a 2% chance of them winning the Big Ten or, and stuff. But uh, Aiden Hutchinson turned it on, and, and Kate McNamara turned turned into a pretty decent quarterback for him, and, and – uh, they learned eventually how to run the ball, which is something that Michigan should be capable of doing. Um, and they beat a lot of good teams. I mean, that that win against Ohio State, it was it was memorable. No matter if you were a, a, a fan of either of those teams, the atmosphere of that game and everything, it was Michigan was a fun team to watch. I know they got blown out by by Georgia, but uh, um, yeah, it, it was it was definitely surprising to see them there and and them seeing them being capable of, of getting over that hump of a, of a Ohio state. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number three was Washington in 2017. Um, I think probably, you know, it was just surprising to see you know, looking back on it. Now it's crazy that a PAC 12 team made it into the, the cultural playoff mm-hmm. and they're the only team. They're the only, uh, they're the only, Pac-12 team to make it in since Oregon did in the first one. So in a total, you know, of like eight years that the playoffs have been going on, the only two um, Pac-12 teams have made it is, you know, pretty insane. But um, yeah, that going back to that 2017 season, like um, they were viewed as a, you know, just a passing a team, but they, they they had a you know a good uh, duo I want to say in uh, Dante Pettis and uh, uh, John Ross that's right John Ross the third um, and yeah like that, that team you know the year before you you know I mean the years before that you you had just a regular Chris Peterson team you know mm-hmm. a good eight nine ten you know ish win team and then they make the big leap and then make the the playoffs and I mean it's craziest to even think that Washington made the playoffs because I mean their past couple years have been really just crap yeah they have they're they're better this year yeah they're pretty good I know they lost to UCLA but uh who hasn't (laughs) yeah um so good yeah my number three is also that Washington team um they Again, that that offense was was pretty creative. Uh, Jake Browning was an efficient quarterback, very accurate, and uh, they had a lot of speed outside. They probably had the fastest speed out of anybody with Pettis and Ross and uh, Salvon Ahmed. I think that's his name. Running back, Chico McClatcher. I remember that name too. He was good. Oh yeah. Uh, that offense was something. But the that they take a lot of credibility from that team. But I think 
if you look at the defense, uh, you had you had Buda Baker in the secondary, and up front you yeah, had yeah. yeah you had Maulers like Vita Vey and Greg Gaines, which both those guys are very good uh, D linemen now in the league. Um, Washington Washington puts out a lot of good defensive talent, and that that twenty sixteen or seventeen uh, Washington team really proved that. And um, I don't know what happened with that program after that, but it went pretty downhill fast. Um, but they got that new guy in and, and P- Michael Penix uh, at quarterback. So, um, you know, Washington's an up-and-down program, but that, that team that year was was pretty, pretty shocking. Yeah. Uh, my number two is Michigan State in, in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean – Looking back on it now, it's like how did how did they even how did they even you know get past Ohio State? Um, because that Ohio State team that they got past, uh, I, I want to say they they beat Ohio State by a, few, a game-winning field goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, a team that had Zeke at running back, and then like Joey Bosa, and then uh, you know Michael Thomas at wide receiver. You, I mean, you had you could name all the you know players that. that went on to the NFL from that team. But, uh, yeah, a Michigan State team that I guess you could – was pretty much comparable to, you know, last year's Michigan team that they were pretty much known for running the ball and, you know, having good defense. And, um, yeah, when they, they faced uh, Alabama in the playoff, it was just a, a, a domination, 38 to nothing. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, um, uh, the only Michigan State team that's really – I would say that's made it so far. Um, uh, that's the only team that I can remember that's yeah. you know done so well. Um, but yeah, that team was they, that team was very gritty, like and clutch. They had I have three wins off the top of my head. Of course, you got Michigan State. Uh, the um, and it's blocked by Jalen Watts Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, Ohio yeah, State that was like Harbaugh's first year. Yeah, Ohio State game. Connor Cook was out. They had backup. I think his name's like Tyler Langford or something. Um, beat him on the road. Took a, took control of the Big Ten. Then played Iowa. That game was crazy. The thing was the reach over for like the name was Lindsey Scott or something at running back. It was it was a good game, but it took a lot for that team to be there. But the fact that stuff did happen for them to be there was a uh, was pretty cool. Um. My number two is 2017 Central Florida. Uh, so what made this team crazy is the fact that in 2015, just two years prior with uh, George Leary as their coach, they went 0-12. Okay, a team in Florida should not go 0-12, but they did. And when Scott Frost got there in 2016, he had a pretty average year, I think like 6-7, and seven, which is okay for first-year head coach. But um, – that team went undefeated, beat beat a pretty good Auburn team in the Peach Bowl, and made it made a kind of a tiny little rivalry with Alabama, just for the for the claiming of of the national championship, which turned into an even bigger ordeal than Alabama winning the title itself. Yes, but Mackenzie Milton was a very good quarterback, and of course you had the Griffin brothers, which is a good story. Uh, fun team, explosive, fast, uh, and they proved everybody wrong. Um, my number one, uh, is the 2014 Ohio State team. Yeah. Um, in the preseason, Braxton Miller tears his ACL, and I'm like, they, they're gonna be they're they're screwed. And then week one comes, and Ohio State plays Virginia Tech, and uh, what is it? J T Barrett's starter, and they lose that game, and I'm like. Ohio State's not even they're gonna win they're they're gonna they're gonna lose four games. Um they win every game on the they win every game. Uh and then Michigan, they play Michigan and JT Barrett uh tears his ACL and then they have, now they're down to their third string and I'm like, okay, now they're not gonna do anything else. Yeah. And they go to the they they play, play in the Big Ten championship uh, against uh was I forget who was dominated. Yeah, and it was it was a blowout, and I was like, okay. And then 
uh, the CFP selection show, and I'm like, come on, I want to play Ohio State. Oh. And then we oh. play Ohio State, and it's just like, how did we lose to this third-string quarterback who performs like he's the you know, top three quarterbacks in the college football? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that team was – if you're a fan of that – if you're an Ohio State fan, I'm sure that 2014 team was just like the greatest feeling ever. And you know, beating Alabama was probably felt it probably felt better than beating Oregon in the national title. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Cardell Jones, though, good grief, and Ezekiel Elliott. That team had enough talent to win the title itself. It's just the fact that how they did it and how they got there. It's like you had all these injuries, and then out of nowhere, you got this six foot six quarterback that can just throw it like eighty yards. And they were just they were just unstoppable at that point. I know we only lost by a touchdown, but it was it was it was pretty ugly all game. Um okay, my number one is uh I believe is your number four is two thousand nineteen LSU Tigers. Uh now I knew that LSU had a lot of talent, but the jump from two thousand eighteen to two thousand nineteen, especially especially since they had the same personnel, um I wasn't expecting much out of LSU, but when when they hired Joe Brady to be their uh, passing coordinator, not even their not even their uh, offense coordinator, I think Stevie Ensminger was still the guy. Um, that that offense of where you just put five wide and you beat them with speed and talent, it was unstoppable. And Joe Burrow, I don't know what he did that offseason, but um, that was the most most prolific offense that I've seen. Uh, in college football, and probably the most unstoppable team I've seen since uh, that the college football playoff has started, easily in my opinion. And I, I just think from the level of being nine and three to the jump of being fifteen and zero like that, the margin of that was was insane. And I think that's why they're number one for me and the most surprising teams. Yeah, the personnel jump really. I mean, like Joe Burrow. You know, after the 2018 season, he was pretty much considered like a seventh-round pick. And then the wide receivers weren't really, you know, considered high. And then after, you know, first overall, Joe Burrow, first-round pick, uh, Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Uh, Terrence, Terrence Marshall, I think, maybe went first. I think maybe early second. Um, and then Jamar Chase, first-round first pick. First round pick for the running back, uh, Clyde Edwards Dulaire, like such a crazy jump from twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen. Yeah. And okay, you got you got Ed Orgeron being up there holding the trophy. What if I told you three years later he wouldn't have a job and he would just be going to like two lane games on Saturdays? Dad <laughs> that wouldn't be surprising, honestly. But at the same time it would be. Probably at the time it was like this team's gonna do some damage. But after they after I saw them lose to Mississippi State, I was yeah. like, "It's not, it's not that crazy." Because I heard you know the things that were going on after the championship game was like, "Yeah, turmoil." Yeah, and it's um, we after after he after he won the championship, there was questions about was he just carried by the talent he had, and really he yeah. was because every time you you put a camera on, him, he'd just be clapping. Uh, Gene Chizik. Yeah, pretending like he did something. Um, coach O, I mean, he's a good morale guy, and he 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 fit that role better being the LSU head coach. More, there will never be a a person who is more LSU than Ed Orgeron. Yeah, he's a good he's a good sergeant. <laughs> yeah, like a, he's like a he's like an army sergeant in in a college as a college football coach. But yeah, you just can't understand him, but uh, yeah, I miss him. I miss him. He's a little bit more fun than Brian Kelly is, but uh, Tennessee better watch out. I think LSU's going to do something uh, Saturday because I, I think I think they're over. I think Tennessee's probably overlooking uh, LSU, and they're gonna they're gonna just get end up getting beat by the Tigers and the Tide. Yep. Yeah, but we can't worry about them right now because we got uh we got a cheater. We got a we got a dumbass coming in. We got a liar. We got the a program as a whole. We got mm. a hypocrite. We got a a stupid program coming in. 
we got a cult of a bunch of buzz cut guys who who are going to college to to farm potatoes. Once upon a time, they played a team, and they were this whole cult, whatever they're called. They were holding their balls and they're squeezing as hard as they could. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think nothing was going on. They just did it for pleasure. Yeah. yeah. But they, but they do have dude perfect. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll suck it, dude. Perfect. We're gonna whoop that ass. We will see what happens Saturday. And the hit of the week is Hurricane by Kanye West. I know you won't. Yeah, walking on the bridge, I threw my sins over the deep end. Sip it to my stomach, hurt this month, I done lost three friends. Early morning brainstorming, normally I can't sleep in. Sometimes I just wanna restart it, but it all depends. If I'm gonna be that same young hunger from West End. But my heart is wrong, and the crazy part I ain't have no pen. Maybe back interior came with sheepskin. Still remember when I just had three bands. Now I'm the one everyone call on, cause I got deep pants. But told me the way to beat the game is on the defense. And never face my names, or they might call me, but they gon' respect it. And I feel like you better off trying to call, I might not get the message. And she just tried to run off with my heart, but I blocked off the end.